and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Andy Newport of PA and Scott McDermott of the Sunday Mail. Welcome, gentlemen. Hi, Johnny. Right, well, there's lots to talk about today. We can uh, touch on the, the old firm win. We can look ahead to the Aberdeen game at the weekend and we shall also take a wee browse through the world of the transfer window given it has opened in the last few days, well, on January 1st. Right, so let's get stuck into this Celtic game and I'm going to start by touching on the reaction a little bit. Um, obviously, Celtic have, have had their own situation following the game. We probably don't <laughs> want to go into that too much. But, Scott, I'm wondering whether or not the noise that's surrounding Celtic at the moment and the complete lack of anything coming out of Rangers almost kind of, in a way, sums up the two comparative seasons. There is yeah. just nothing but calm focus coming out of Rangers at the moment, whereas at Celtic, there's every two or three days, it seems to be something else that is exploding uh, so in, in terms of social media, in terms of something somebody said, it, it just seems to be a never-ending drama. It's almost as if, as many have said on social media, the baton of the banter years has been passed from one side of the old firm to the other. Yeah, it does feel like that, Johnny. I mean, it's perfect for Rangers, really, you know, what's happened since. Um, and obviously their, their decision not to, not to go anywhere a bit sunnier. Uh, looks as if it's it might just be paying off uh, as much as Celtic are obviously getting a bit of, bit of warm weather training. Uh, so, no, listen, it's exactly the way Stephen Gerrard would have wanted it. It's the way he's played it the whole season. Um, I think you heard Borna Barisic the other day saying... There was very little celebrations after the old firm win, which is it was unheard of. Certainly different to a year ago after the the game in December, where there was kind of you know, a lot of celebrations post match with, with fans and stuff. You know, that that was never going to happen. Well, in fact, there's no fans, but they were never going to celebrate even even within because obviously nothing is won yet, and you know, you'd like to think they'll have learnt their lesson. So you're right, a lot of noise uh, around Celtic, a lot of negative noise, very little positives uh, coming from there um, and that's exactly the way the way Rangers and Gerrard would have wanted it and I think the crucial thing is actually going to be to see the reaction uh, in the first game back or, or the next few games because you, know, you kind of know how Rangers will approach it, it'll be the exact same um, you know, that kind of that kind of focus and mindset on, on getting this getting this job done. I think more interesting is going to be the Celtic players' reaction. I mean, we've we've all spoke this season about you no know, if there's certain players really want to be there. Um, you no know, talking about the kind of harmony within the within the camp, maybe not being where it should be. And having lost the second old firm game of the season, and now move 19 points behind. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how how Celtic come back, what the what the react, the reaction is going to be for them. Andy, you were at the game, and I wondered what your uh, observations were of Stephen Gerrard throughout it. It seemed to me, watching from the telly, that it was a far cry from the days of uh, the celebrations at Parkhead, which of course went viral. He seems to be a manager that's learning on the job quite rapidly and is understanding that you. you He's almost taken the a leaf out of the Walter Smith book by tempering down expectations by keeping things under wraps in terms of his emotions. But what was he like during the game? 
Yeah, well, he's definitely learned his lessons from from last year. Um, which is very calm, much as the way he has been all season, really. Um, even even just games outside the firm. I think back to he was like Michelin away last season when he gave it the big sort of punch in there. Um, when Rangers scored one of the goals over there, you've you've very rarely seen any signs of that uh, this season, even at Parkhead. When uh, Connor Goldson scores a second to put them two 0 up, there, there's a, a wee a wee punch, but not much else. And so that was just sort of the continuation of the theme um, the weekend there. Um, I think you know he's learned that Rangers really need to take this one game at a time, and that's been the mantra the whole season. Um, Rangers were left with egg in their face last year, really, after the way that they sort of overreacted to the win at Parkhead. As much as it was a momentous victory that day. You know, there was still half a season to go and as we saw things uh, came off the wheels came off pretty quickly after the winter break so Rangers as much as they're in a fantastic position right now and you know they've got a, a chance to keep even further pressure on the Celtic this weekend with Celtic not playing until the Monday night if Rangers can go up to Pataudry which would be another huge win uh, and, and extend that gap to, to 22 points albeit with four games in hand for Celtic but um it's it's one game at a time. Rangers have learnt the hard way. They're getting them held, getting ahead of themselves in, in previous seasons. As much as I say that they're, they're in a great position, they cannot afford to look any further ahead in the next game. Also, also think he'll know this month in particular January. I think they go to Petardry, Easter Road, and Fir Park. Those three difficult away games. And I'm not saying he's going to start celebrating post January, but I think he'll have known in his head that this is a a tricky month for them and if they can get out at the other side with this points gap still intact they'll be in a far better uh, no, far better position in terms of looking at the February games looking at Celtic's fixtures in that month uh, and I think he'll feel a lot more comfortable with, with where Rangers are if they can get out of January unscathed It's the defining month of the season isn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, sort of debate over that you know the, the old firm game you know three tricky away ties um and you know, if, if, I think Scott's absolutely right. If Rangers are still sort of 19, 20 points ahead come the come February the first, then I think they'll, they'll half believe that they're, they're there. Yeah. Uh, listen, given the situation, it's difficult to be negative, but I'm going to try. I'm going to play devil's advocate slightly, dampen this parade. Rangers haven't really been playing well in the last three or four games, Scott, and and no. really they didn't play well against Celtic, especially in the first half. You know, Celtic were significantly the better team. They pressed the life at Rangers. I, I was surprised that, that I didn't see a reaction almost to the, the level of pressing because sometimes in Europe, when Rangers have been almost suffocated like that, they've been able to either play their way through it or find a solution by going a little bit more direct. But yeah. the strikers, and, and I think Gerard said this after the game, you know, he wasn't happy with the front three. They didn't really offer anything in terms of holding the ball up or, 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 or coming short enough, I don't think, to, to create space around them. Uh, what was your take on the overall performance in the game? Because a lot of people have felt Celtic were pretty dominant. No, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think if people are honest, even Rangers fans are honest, they'll admit that I think there has been a slight dip in Rangers' performances offensively um, in the last the last month or so. And that, that played out again uh, in the, the old Firm game. But in saying that, no, on reflection, we look at the game again, it does then look like a game where one team are going all out, no, 100%, no, hell for leather, because they need to win it. No, nothing else other than a victory would, would do Celtic against a team who know 
No, they're, they're far, uh, far ahead in the league, and they could have probably got a point out of the game. That that's the way it kind of looked when you, you know, when you when you reflect on it. But I agree with you. I don't think Rangers offensively um, have been that great in the last month or so. I think Gerald's going to need a, a kind of upturn in in performances that way. I think it maybe needs freshened up in the next couple of games, and I think guys like Itton and Defoe and that might even come into the. Come into the equation, uh, you know, to freshen up the the attack. Um, so I think he'll need that. But the flip side of that is, and I said this all night. The reason why I, I think the league is now won is purely because of Rangers' defensive record. I mean, they've got a goalkeeper and three centre backs. You no, know, whatever two play uh, at the three, they've got a goalie and three centre backs who I think are playing at their skin. Uh, five goals conceded by January, 18 clean sheets at 22. I mean, the numbers are phenomenal. And I think that ultimately is what's going to get them get them over the line in this. So, in this Scott, this just, to confirm, just to confirm, Scott, you're calling the league now. It's January 7th, January, 8, January 7th, and you're calling it. It's done. I think, well, I think so, yeah, because, I mean, I'm always reluctant because... No, not nothing ever surprises you in Scottish football. And, well, this is why I'm asking. Yeah, and this is, as we've said, this is a difficult month for them. But I just, I can't see past the defensive record. I think if Rangers continue to play the way they are, you know, defensively keeping clean sheets, then of course they're going to win enough games. If they if they continue their defensive form, then of course they'll, they'll win the league. Uh, they can't even win it with that, with that points gap. So, as I say, I think they need to improve. We could go on all day about Morelos. I think even Ryan Kent's performances have, have dipped uh, in the last month or so. And as I say, that's why I think it needs it needs freshened up. To be fair to guys like Hadji, who's come in, they have freshened it up when Gerrard's needed it. So I think there's a bit of no, a wee bit of tinkering to do in the forward areas, but defensively, again against Celtic, when they were under a lot of pressure in the first half, between the goalie and the two centre-backs, you know, they got themselves got themselves out of it, kept another clean sheet. I think when you've got that when you've got that confidence and resilience and solidity, then you're well on your way to, to winning a title. Andy, one of the things that I noticed uh, in terms of the midfield was that it was the same three, the same trio that I've played in the last three games, and that's very unusual for Rangers. Normally, Gerald has been ro- rotating it up between the guys that he's got there, but obviously, Arfield and Jack being out has meant that he's had to stick with those three. And we've got a question from the gaffer on Twitter. He's asking about Joe Aribo, and is he more suited to be playing up in the front three than he is in central midfield? What did you make of his performance, and how do you respond to that question? No, I think he, I think he's, he's best suited in the middle of the park, as a sort of you know the, the point the sort of front front point of that midfield three um that he seems to play Edgar uh, seems to play I think when you saw towards uh, Spills last season where he gets sort of put uh, further forward into that front three well he's got the sort of you know he's probably a more natural number ten if you want to call it that than likes a, a Ryan Kent on the other side but I just don't think he has the pace when the, on the occasions when Rangers do have breakaway opportunities he's not really got the pace to to drive on and, and take on a fullback. Um, he's obviously got some great feet and I think that's probably best why he's he's best suited in the middle of the park with that license to drift left and right. Um, I thought you know he didn't have the greatest first 45 minutes uh, on Saturday but then apart from I thought Kamara and Goldson 
and McGregor, I didn't think, apart from those three, I didn't think MDLs in a, in a blue shirt had a, a great first 45 minutes uh, against Celtic. Second half, he was a wee bit more, came a wee bit more into it, but um, you know, I definitely think he's, he's better suited to being in the middle part where he can dictate things. And the difference is, I think if you recall his first season, he did start in that sort of um, central midfield role and then get pushed further forward because Gerard felt that he wasn't doing enough defensively and I also think he wasn't physically up to the the mark for, for Scottish football he was getting overpowered a wee bit he's obviously through lockdown he's we saw at the start of the season he's, he's beefed up quite a wee bit he's, he's not quite the sort of uh, beanpole figure he was when he first came up here and I think you're definitely seeing uh, the signs of that um, now he's, he's 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 able to handle the sort of rough and tumble. I think you know if you look back to the St Mirren game, he was a he was a wee bit off the pace. That I I, I, could, I think you can let my way with that, given he he'd only just come back for injury. But I think if you look back to his early season form, there's a guy there that has got a potential to be you know a really influential player for this this Rangers team. I I agree with Andy in terms of I think that he was better in the middle of the park. Um, as one of those number eights. Um, but it does frustrate me at times, Johnny, just and on, only because you know how good a player there is in there and you know the attributes that he's got. I mean, in terms of doing that number eight role, he's got everything. You no, know, he's rangy, he can go past people, he, you know, he, he shields the ball brilliantly, looks after the ball probably better than anybody in the in the league in terms of holding people off. Um I think he's got the ability to you know he can stride forward and travel with the ball and get Know, get Rangers up the pitch and break lines something I don't think he does enough and I think you know, I would hope that that will, you know, that's part of his game it will develop so I mean, I, I think there's no debate, he is better in that in that midfield three break, breaking forward um, but I think Gerard will just want a wee bit more, I think he'll be pleased with how he's developed you know, since he's uh, since he arrived at Rangers but there's definitely more to come with Joe Aribo. There's great potential there, and I think I think there's still another couple of levels his game can go to. Yeah, obviously a lot of people were saying that the turning point in the game was the sending off. Andy, I didn't really see it that way, although it was obviously a major factor in the result. You, you don't go down to 10 men without it affecting you. Um, but for me, at half-time, Rangers were significantly better. The second 45 minutes was not the onslaught of the first 45 minutes where Celtic were dominating and win the, winning the ball up, uh, high up the pitch. It was much more of an even game and Rangers looked a lot more settled and organised. And, and Stephen Davis, I thought, was excellent, actually, in the second half. He'd, he'd flitted in and out of the game in the first half. Hadn't, hadn't really had a great time of it. But in the second half, he was a, a real calming influence. Would you uh, agree with that assessment? Yeah, I mean, it could have been much worse. Um the first 45 minutes match I wrote my own match report that um, Gerard would have been delighted to be getting in it you know goalless at half time given not so much the, the, the number of chances Celtic created but just the fact that Rangers really found it difficult to get going I mean I, th- I think you've seen the last few weeks teams have worked out that if you can stop Barisic and Tavernier getting into the game then you can really sort of limit the amount that Rangers can get at you um, I thought the introduction of Hadji was um pretty crucial. I mean, you suddenly had a guy who was willing to try stuff, willing to take pops at, pops at goal. I think that just gave Rangers a wee bit of belief that they could, um, not saying that they've lacked belief this season, but certainly they looked shy, shy in ideas in the first 45 minutes, and here you had some, a guy who was, who was trying to 
at least uh, come up with something imaginative. Um, I, was su- um, I was surprised when it was Ruth that came off. I think it subsequently turned out he was injured. I missed the press conference after the game, so I think he, he, Gerald yeah, no, he was had injured. A, yeah, he, yeah, he had an injury. Yeah, so I mean, I would. Uh, I mean, I think if if I was going to take MD off at halftime, it would have been Morelos. I, th- I thought he was. It was just off the, off the boil completely. Yeah, in the first I was half. the same, Andy. Yeah. I, th- I thought Morelos off and had you on was yeah. a substitute. Uh, I'm not saying Ruth was was great in the first half, but there was a couple of signs, especially the last sort of ten minutes before the interval, where it looked like he was sort of finding his feet a wee bit. He got a flick on ahead of um, yeah. ahead of Ayer that sent Morelos away, that took a lax out last ditch tackle. Um, so I thought, you know, I, I would have been interesting to see, you know, because you know, again, there's moments in the game where Morelos. Um, his, his touch let him down. His link up wasn't great as much as I've, I think he's. That's an of his game that's underrated. Um, I, I think he was pretty poor. He just looked pretty shy on confidence uh, in the last few weeks. And the fact that I think it would have been interesting to see if, if they could have kept roof on what might have happened. But certainly, you know, there were more on the front foot as the second half comes on. And then, I mean, I remember sitting saying to my colleague next to me, as soon as the, the red card goes on, you could, you could just see Celtic, the belief just disappearing out of them. They knew that the race was run at that point. I think they'd been happy for a, a draw at that point. Um, I think it's it's quite striking the sort of the difference in approach when you look back to Brendan Rodgers. Obviously, a totally different era, a different um, set of circumstances. But when Brendan Rodgers' team went down to ten men at Ibrooks, he went with two up front. And I don't, you know, Andy, I've uh, heard that a lot. I don't think that's a fair criticism of Neil Lennon because that, no, that was I'm a saying, terrible Rangers team in comparison. Yeah, exactly. were absolutely different. But that's what I'm saying. You know, at, at that point, given the circumstances both teams were in, it was a legitimate tactic to to, uh, to try and Celtic fancied their chances. So I'm saying when this goes, the red card goes off, you have to put Shane Duffy on uh, because to, to keep your back four together, um, you just knew that. Celtic um, didn't really believe that they could get a result at that, that moment and it, I, I, it took, I, it took yeah, six Andy minutes mentioned, for the goal to come Andy mentioned Shane Duffy there Scott did you think that was the ascending off that, that wild challenge that he made yeah definitely I thought it was a red card all day long Johnny to be honest uh, I mean the tackle the initial tackle was bad enough but then the you know, bringing the, the trailing leg round just to just to make sure was what I thought with a would have sealed a red card, but whether the ref's been a wee bit reluctant not to send two Celtic players off in quick succession, I don't know, but I think every day of the week you'd be looking at a red card in, in most most leagues. Um, it, I, think very, I think he's very lucky that he doesn't actually fully catch uh, Kent with his, his studs, the first tackle, the first yeah. leg. I think if, if he's a second later, he, he's... he's Planting his studs into his ankle, and it's yeah. you know then there's absolutely no question what it would have been. But yeah, I think, I think Scott's right. I think he's a lucky boy in that sense. Yeah. And very briefly, very briefly, Scott, I'm assuming you've got no argument with the the red card for me. It was, I mean, it was a, it was just a stone wall red. I'm, I was amazed that there was any um, discussion about this. I'm, I must admit that when I first on first viewing Johnny, I thought it was going to be a yellow. Uh, just watching it, I thought okay, it's going to be a yellow. Ref's going to take a yellow card because too, he's he's too far for goal. Uh, but it was as soon as you seen the the first couple of replays, there was there was no doubt. No, I changed my mind. It was it was definitely a red card. Um, and my overriding feeling after it, I'm sure it will be the same for for Celtic fans. Was just you no know, how big a error of judgment. 
Beaton has made no, there was absolutely no no need for it, uh, especially the forum. Morelos is in. I mean, he's going to he's going to get a shot away. I reckon around the kind of eighteen yard box, just inside the eighteen yard box. But I mean, we've seen him have a lot of the, the shots and and those type of situations, uh, and very rarely hit the hit the back of the net. And obviously, Ayers coming round. Eventually coming round as well, so it was a crazy, crazy decision for Beaton to get in the wrong side, then to get too tight, and then decide, you know, just to wrestle him to the floor. Uh, a crazy decision, but but a hundred percent a red card. I, I thought I thought Chris Iyer on the day was just pretty good. You know, actually he's better than that. He was he was a it was a terrific display from from him. Yeah, um, apart, if you see apart that, from that, maybe just I'm saying, that was the, that, the fact he was higher up. Uh, then his defensive partner on the wrong side of the pitch, which you know, it puts if he was positioned correctly, it is a yellow card because he would be there, he'd be around in the sweep, and it's not a clear yeah. and obvious goal scoring chance. But he was too high up, beat him was too deep, too exposed, and there was no chance I was getting across to, to stop Morelos at that point. So yeah. I think Bobby Madden called that one absolutely spot on. Yeah, I mean, he was, I, I think you know, Morelos was lucky with the, the wee stamp, um. On Frimpong early on. Yeah, that was that was a bookend, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that's maybe the only sort of blot. I mean, I, I know Neil Lennon was pretty unhappy with, with the referee's performance after the game, but I think he got, you know, certainly the red card absolutely bang on. The, the crucial thing for Rangers, Johnny Andy touched on it, was just getting to half time at 0 0. I mean, for all Celtic's dominance in the first half, when the half time whistle went and I'm watching the game and it's 0 0, that's when I thought, no, this, this is going to be a smashing grab game, that's when you cast your mind back to the kind of Walter Smith, Tommy Burns days and that, you thought this is this is the way this game's going and I slightly disagree with you in the set, I think Rangers were slightly better at the start of the second half and that along with a wee bit of a drop in Celtic's energy levels at the start of the second half and I mean in terms of Christian McGregor getting out to the, getting out to the full-backs which obviously played a part in the the sending off and allowing uh, Tavernier to get that ball up to to Morelos, it wasn't wasn't cut out. I think you no, know, those two things made the game a bit more even. But I still think the sending off's the crucial moment in the game, and it's you no know, definitely swung it in Rangers' favour. No, just going the extra man, but he's touched on it. The changes that Celtic had to make. No, you could argue about the changes whether Lennon got it right. I mean, he did have a lot of options. Maybe one change rather than two might have might have helped, but I think as soon as he took Griffiths off, no, and you and you you don't have that front two who are obviously causing Rangers uh, a number of problems in the first half. Um, I actually thought Tumble played well in the first half as well. So I actually take... thought the, the Tumble one was one that really raised my eyebrows because I thought he was the, the player that was causing Rangers trouble with his movement. Yeah, exactly. Every time he gets the ball, he wants to play forward, and that's what was causing Rangers trouble because there was no time for them to reset. If they lost the ball in transition, they were just they, were, they just found the ball right back on top of them. That's, that's the thing. If you're going, to, you need to bring Duffy on, obviously at centre back. But so just make one change. So either decide, well, do you take Griffiths off? No, to play Edward up, but at least you can get Turnbull playing off him, uh, or do you just put Duffy on for Turnbull? And it just at least then it keeps your your two strikers, and then you just ask Griffiths or Edward one of them to drop in when they need to. But to make the two changes at one time, it seemed like a you no know, a lot of upheaval and a big a big change when Celtic 
for me, we're, we're pretty much still still on top, and would have been the confident the confident team after their, their first half performance. So far be it for me to jump in here and defend Neil Lennon, but for me, he made the right decision. I mean, it didn't work in the end, but he's got what twenty eight minutes left on the clock, so he's thinking to himself, "Look, Rangers haven't had a shot and goal to speak of in this game. Let's tighten up. Let's let's yeah. go back uh, in a low block and just defend." And let them have the ball in front of us, and and hopefully that'll be enough to get us the, the draw. And he yeah. said before the game, he thought a draw wouldn't be a bad result. But why? And, why? Why the second? Why the second change, Johnny? Why El Yunusi for Turnbull? I mean, what, what did that do to tighten them up? Well, I think he's looking to give them pace down the flanks to to um, get in behind Rangers when they push forward their their fullbacks. Yeah, I, I mean that, that's what he's trying to do. I'm not sure. That- I buy the, the fact that you, you want to go into the last 10 minutes of the whole firm game that you need to win and leave yourself only 5 or 10 minutes to play with in a game that, you know, realistically you do have to win if you want to get back into the title race. I think that just mm. increases pressure. I, mean, I think you want to give yourself a good half an hour to have a crack, even with 10 men. You know, why, why put that extra pressure on yourself by by lump, run, running down the clock? I'm, I'm not sure and, I, I bought that. You're a swashbuckler, Andy. And also, yeah. listen, no, ma- no matter what you say, you're about no matter what you say about Lee Griffiths and how he's been performing or fitness or whatever, I mean, he's still, uh, no, he's still made Alan McGregor pull off the two saves of the, of the game, really, in, yeah, the, in the first incredible. half, do you know what I mean? So, no, Griffiths was a was a threat. That that link-up between Griffiths, Turnbull and Edward was a real, you no, know, was an issue for Rangers. Much as you need to give Rangers credit for, you no, know, keeping them at bay, uh, certainly give Alan McGregor credit. Um, but it was causing them problems, and as soon as they had to change, you no know, making the, the two changes, it, it was pretty radical. Uh, which I suppose it had to be uh, when you're, one of your centre backs gets sent off. But it really can unnerve Celtic, and from that moment on, you just thought there's only going to be one winner here. Okay, let's move on now to the Aberdeen game. Probably the the form team in Scottish football. Rangers will be going up against at the weekend Sunday. Um, they are sitting only four points behind Celtic um, to show that they've had a, a really good first half to the season. And that's with a, a strike front two that have just not really been performing. Sam Cosgrove only got three goals. I think Curtis Main's the same. So without any established strikers, they are having one of their best seasons for a while. How do you see this going, Andy? Is this going to be a really tough challenge as it always is going to Pataudry? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Rangers had... Didn't have the most comfortable afternoon there at the opening day of the season. And again, you know, that was when Main and, and Cosgrove were out. I mean, I think you're, you're right when you said that the two centre forwards have not scored a barrel load of goals this season, but both of them have had sort of pretty uh, troublesome sort of injury records this season. So the fact that Dent McInnes has been able to operate without, you know, especially, you know, you know what Dent McInnes teams are like, you know, they're sort of built and having a big sort of burly centre forward that they can play off of. So the fact that they've not really been able to count on them for much of the season does say something about the way that they've been able to, um, you know, find an a, a alternative plan this year. Um, it's never comfortable for Rangers going to Pitodre. I mean, I can't remember last time Rangers were up there and, and utterly dominated the game. I mean, you, know, you must be talking sort of advocate era, I must say. I mean, even the Kishinia 3 0 one was a pretty smashing grab one. So, um, but again, it's a huge, you know, a huge opportunity for Rangers to get points there, uh, three points there, extend the lead to 22 points for, for uh, 24 hours or so. Um, again, it just puts the pressure back in Celtic, and that's that's got to be the the you know the, the carrot for for Rangers going up there. I mean, I think Gerard was right. 
his approach to the whole fun game doesn't matter how you get the points as long as you get the points that's all that matters and that's that's basically got to be I think, I think every Rangers fan out there would happily accept their team playing pretty rubbish all the way through to May if it meant they were getting three points every week I don't think they would have any um, qualms about that at all Scott we're running a little bit out of time we've got a load of questions here from uh, Twitter so I'm just going to ask you put you on the spot yep what's the score going to be on Sunday Uh I'll go 2-1 Rangers, Johnny. Okay, Andy? Yeah, I think it's pretty 1-0, 1-0. I think the defence will, will hold it again. I'm going to go for 0-0. I've got a, a feeling Rangers will drop points in this one. I just think Aberdeen are, are playing well, um, defending well, and I think it'll be a case of two teams going up against each other and sort of cancelling each other out. So it'll be interesting to see who's right and who's wrong. Um, I, I absolutely never get these predictions right, so this is probably a good thing for Rangers fans out there. Um, right, listen, we're going to have a wee change of track and go into some questions. And uh, the first lockdown, Scott, I think we provided a lot of um, excitement and, and drama into people's lives when we recommended <laughs> Tiger King. And um, GGE on Twitter has come back and said, look, where are these where are these recommendations for lockdown? We don't have Tiger King, so what can I watch? Scotty, have you got anything you've been catching up with on Netflix? Uh, you'd like to... I've not really, Johnny, just football things. Like the, all the stuff that's been on, all the good documentaries. I've got the, well, lawman, I've got the lawman to watch tonight. I'm going to watch that. Oh, it's very good. Uh, very good. Uh, I'm looking, looking forward to that. I loved, uh, loved finding Jack Charlton. That was brilliant. Um... That was really good. What was the other ones I watched? Uh, aye, just listen. Football documentaries. I'm not interested in any of this other tiger <laughs> nonsense. Uh, Andy, I've been watching Cobra Kai, which is the sequel to Karate yeah. Kid, set yeah. 35 years after the original. And uh, it actually prompted me, because I'd heard a lot of people say it's really good, to go back and watch the original Karate Kid, which I hadn't seen since I was a kid. And it's terrific fun, Karate Kid. It's as good as you remember it when you were a small lad watching it. Uh, and, uh, no, I, have, I have tried it. Uh, I get about four or five episodes in and thought, nah. <laughs> uh, no, well, I, I, think, I think Cobra Kai is terrific. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. So if you that want something... says a lot more about you than it does about yeah, me. Exactly. Well, 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 one of us has a film degree. So, I mean, <laughs> you know... I, um, <laughs> which probably uh, probably puts uh, my opinion straight in the bin. <laughs> but no, in, in all seriousness, Cobra Kai, 29 minutes long an episode, fantastic entertainment, very funny. I am loving it. Andy doesn't think so. Andy, what's your recommendation? I'll just keep watching CNN. That's, that's what I'm going to do. I spent all last night hooked to that. Absolutely fantastic TV. Um, just need to see the next two weeks are going to be fun with everything that's going over in uh, Washington. So... I just uh, I, that's my recommendation. CNN. I can't, on I can't believe people were watching CNN American politics while the Manchester Derby was on. <laughs> I was going to say who's who's watching that game last night when you've got the Capitol building oh. getting ready. Who, who, that's the, 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 one, the one reason you can turn the football off. <laughs> it looked it looked terrific the the game. I, I had it on in the background. I was working till nine, and it certainly uh, nah, it was a, a couple game. of outstanding saves by uh, by the keep. Bruno Fernandez had a. Has had a peller in the top corner. Very similar save from the keeper to what Alan McGregor did against uh, against Celtic. Um, right, okay, we're going to move on from this hilarity um, away from uh, CNN, Cobra Kai, and sports documentaries, and into some more questions from punters. And uh, a lot of them are based around transfers. Um, one Blair Stevenson says, "I missed the segment where Scott talks about missing out on signing Shanklin from Air. Can we bring that back?" <laughs> <laughs> Should have. 
How many goals has he got so far this season, Scott? Uh, I'm not sure. Is <laughs> it not one? Yeah. Listen, it doesn't matter. They could still sell him for a million pounds tomorrow if they want. So that could have been Rangers' money. Could have picked him up for. Could have picked him up for nothing if they'd have been doing the doing the scouting properly, watching him at air. Blair, he always doubles down in these situations. He still thinks <laughs> uh, he still thinks the Jersey should go and buy Scott Allen, but let's not go into that. Not that <laughs> Say, says one. the man who still tells us Carlos Pena was a good signing. Listen, yeah, ex- I- exactly, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, and I didn't these, say that. These these same punters having a go at Long Shanklin were the ones that wanted Eduardo Herrera to get a chance. <laughs> <when they were. laughs> Eddie Herrera, remember him. Right, we've got a question from Nick Hickman. Where should they be focusing on the January transfer window? Short-term cover to secure the league or long-term investment with an eye on next season? I think this is a good question because uh, with the Europa qualifiers, and you know, Rangers will hope it's not Europa, it's Champions League, you kind of need to be ahead of the game nowadays, don't you? This is something Celtic have, have, are behind, have been behind the eight ball on a little bit in terms of going into qualifiers, needing a centre-half or needing a central midfielder and then getting put out if Rangers are going to be in the Champions League they need to have it right now really yeah you're right I mean the qualifiers are so early if you're you're not ready and you've not got your squad assembled or a squad that you want then you can get caught caught cold Uh, I think you're right that's what Celtic fans probably complain most about in terms of their kind of early European exit so but I suppose that's no, that's what you've got director of football for and you've got a scouting department for I don't doubt they'll be looking already at Bosman signings uh, that they could maybe tie up in January. Um, I, I think, listen, forward planning is such these days, you know, at clubs like Rangers, where I think Ross Wilson will already have targets in place for the next one, two, three windows, probably. Um, you know, obviously with different profiles, different age profiles, different positions, stuff like that. So I'd be amazed if they aren't on the ball between Gerard and, and Ross Wilson um, in terms of what they need, if anything, in January. Um, and that includes outgoings as well as guys, uh, potential guys coming in. Um, but looking ahead to the, the summer as well, because as you say, that these uh, qualifiers come round very quickly and can, can take you by surprise. Uh, no, we, we all know there's some good teams in these in these early rounds now, so they're going to need to be ready. I think you'll, you when you look at what they did this summer, they basically upgraded the guys that they allowed to leave. I think that's what will be the, the, the case the, the summer coming up. I think guys like Jordan Jones, George Edmonds, and maybe now Brandon Barker, you know, I, I, I don't think there's any doubt that Rangers will probably prefer to move those guys on and bring in guys that can contribute more regularly than them. So, you know, there's space, there's room for for manoeuvre in that sense if you, if you want to look at guys that they can sort of ship out and, and look to upgrade. Given the uh, impression that Leon Balogun's made, Scott, do they need to go and buy another centre-half? Because Nikola Katic is going to be coming back. That would give them, including Edmondson, five established centre-halves. No, that's the one area I don't think they need to strengthen. I mean, they've got three top-quality centre-backs, as I say, playing really well at the moment, at the top of their game. Uh, You've got Edmondson there, obviously, who has been suspended, but I think I've said before, I mean, are Rangers really just going to get rid of this guy over one you know, one misdemeanour as bad as it was at the time? I mean, I think he's he served his punishment. Uh, Stephen Gerrard rates this boy pretty highly, you know, seen a lot of potential in him. 
I'd be surprised if they cut the losses so early with Edmondson and just and just write him off. Um, but you're right, they've got Katic to come back as well, um, who was obviously doing well before uh, before his injury. He will certainly come back into back into contention. So I mean, I think they're well off for centre backs. That's the one area they don't need to look at at the moment. Okay, I've got a couple of questions that kind of t- touch on the same subject. So one from a poker chips now. He said. How uh, sorry? Who can they afford to lose in the summer, and how do you think they'll cope with being the new top dogs? And then Blair Stevenson sent another one in saying, "Goldson and Tavernier reach a crossroads in the summer. Both are obviously down to their last year of their contracts in the summer. What does your gut say? Do they stay or do they go?" Uh, Andy Scott's touched on this link last week, where he he slaughtered me for saying that uh, I, yeah. thought, I thought Rangers were, were going to have to make a decision. Yeah. But what's your take on their futures? Well, I think you know if they can, there's a they've got a big pretty, a pretty big carrot sort of waiting next season. Um, if they can go and win this league, and that's the, cha- the prospect of Champions League football. So, I, I can't see either guy wanting to sort of give that up. Um, you know, yeah, would, would either guy would like to go and have a crack at the Premier League? Yeah, of course. There's you know money can talk sometimes, but you know I think especially in you know James Tavernier's case, I mean I think he's given a lot to this club, and I think it's sort of got under his skin. You can see that getting there with, with Conor Goldson as well. Um, Rangers got a funny way of doing that with, with players. Um, just look how many guys that have come from abroad and you still so, sort of see them hanging about iBooks on a fairly regular basis. So, um, uh, yeah, I, mean, I can I can pretty, I can see both of them want to extend their deals. It just happens, you know, I think Stephen Jarrett's been pretty relaxed about it. I mean, he's, he's not sort of spoken out about needing to to tie down players other than Glenn Kamara. That's the only one he, he's really sort of spoken about. The rest of them, he's been pretty relaxed. Let's let's sort at the end of the season once you've got something um, tangible one. And I think that puts the players in a better you know negotiating position if they can sit there and go, listen, we finally delivered a, a trophy for this team. Then uh, you know really you can we think we deserve X, Y, or Z in terms of you know a salary. Then it's much the better for them. I think I think it suits everyone to wait until the summer and then sort this thing out once uh, once and for all. The only thing about that, Andy, just to, to come back at you, is obviously they only have a year left. So if you can't agree with them, say they, they come back and they want significant uplifts in their salaries, you're talking about players who are, I think, 29 and 28 at that point, looking for long, longer-term deals. Say Tavernier comes back and says, I want a four-year contract at 40 grand a week, which, let's face it, he'd probably be entitled, <laughs> given his performance this season. Um, Rangers then have a big decision to make about yeah, I mean, handing out that saying, kind of money you, to someone at that age. You, you talk, you talk to them. You, I'm not saying you want something to go linger on three, four months, but you know, you, you sit down, you have a meeting with them. If, if indications are clear early on that they want to sign, they want to stay, and it's just a matter of negotiating a, a salary, then crack away, do that. If it looks like it's going to be problematic, then that's maybe when you have to start entertaining bids. Scott. Yeah, Johnny, that's what it that's when it comes down to prioritising. You're right. I mean, Goldson and Tavney will be able to demand you no know, big money and a lucrative deal quite rightly. But as I've said before on here, to me, those guys are now the leaders. You no, know, they're the pillars of that dressing room. They're the guys that you must keep if Rangers are going to move forward and maintain a level of success because they've been there. They know what it's about. Um, and I think Rangers do need to push the boat for guys. Guys like that, and how you balance that up is first of all by you know trying to get into the Champions League, which would you know could get you 30, 30, 40 million, even upwards of that. So that certainly softens the softens the blow of handing out big contracts. 
And also, when it comes down to selling players, and that's the guy that's asking a question, I suppose that's what he's touching on, though, who, who would you be willing to let go? I, I've said before on here, there's three players. Morelos is the obvious one, who I think undoubtedly, if they can get a buyer, uh, will go in the summer. Um, and as much as they won't want to lose the other two, I think the other two that you could lose are, are Kamara and, and Barisic. And I've been over the reasons for that. Kamara, I think Rangers are strong in midfield anyway, as much as I love Kamara as a player. I think he's someone who deep down will have aspirations of playing the Premier League. He's going to play in the Euros in the summer. And if he's a good tournament, there'll be no shortage of interest. And Barisic is another as much as he's been he's been brilliant and he's a real weapon for Rangers in terms of his in terms of his deliveries and set piece set pieces. They've got Calvin Bassey there who they see as a you know, someone with real promise and potential, a potential replacement for Barisic. But they would still be able to go out and sign a left back. If you get big money for Barisic and Morelos, for instance, or, or Kamara and Morelos, whatever it is then they should be able to go and find uh, find replacements. So, you know, when you balance all that up, you should be able to give the guys, the stalwarts, you know, your taverniers and goldsons, people like that. You know, the, the, I, I, those are the guys that you need to you need to keep around. If, if Rangers are going to, you know, maintain a level of success and go on a run, a serious run, the winning trophies the way Celtic have in the last the last few years and stay, you know, top dogs in Scotland. They can't get rid of guys at Goldson and, and Tavernier, no, the, 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 the proper leaders in that dressing room, the guys that know what it's about, because you get rid of them, then you're just starting to starting to scratch again. Scott's absolutely right. I mean, they're the, the, you know, I think it's, it would set their level of ambition. Uh, you know, the club's obviously, obviously said at the AGM recently that the players will be sold in the summer. But they've said that it won't be wholesale changes. It won't be a fire sale. Yeah. Uh, One or two, I think he said, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Rangers, you know, as much a sign of ambition that they can they can demonstrate in terms of signing players, it's who they can keep. Yeah, they can let one or two go, but if, they need to keep the spine of the team there. I think Scott's right. If you start letting, you know, especially your captain, your vice captain, anybody who's been at these games or or heard, listened to the games, the behind closed doors, the, the two loudest guys in the park are Tavernier and, uh, and Golson. Yeah. Um, so the Raiders cannot afford to let the two guys that pretty much you know set the standard in that dressing room right now um, walk out the door. Um, even if it is big money. Johnny thinks they should get rid of him, Andy. Jesus. No, 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 I didn't say that. That's what you said. No, I said, said that they're going to have to think about it because at the age that they're at, it's going to be a, an expensive contract to hand out for both of them. Um, or they'll have to think about selling them because in the last year of their contract, that's the last point you can get any value if you're moving them on. Now, of course, Rangers could say, well, we'll just keep them and let them go because we feel like we've had terrific service. We paid 250 grand for Tavernier. We paid £3 million for Goldson. And quite frankly, we're just happy to let that disappear off the balance sheet because they've given us so much to keep them around for that last season. But we know the dangers of that. We saw a player called uh, Mr. Brian Loudrup who did that. And, uh, you know, David Murray at the time turned down £5 million to to stop him going from eight to Ajax. And, and it wasn't worth it. Do you think, because... think, think Goldson wants... Would want to go and you know, go back to either being you know as much as money might come into it, but I think you know he, he's been a professional footballer now for for ten years. I'm sure he's not shy a quid or two. Is it about going to get one last payday and then, but you know, perhaps playing 
bottom end Premier League, you know, or, or worse, you know, you know, having to sit in the bench somewhere. You know, I think given the football he's missed over his career with, with his heart trouble, I think he wants to looks at things. He never he never takes a game off. I mean, I'd be surprised if he if he walked away from the opportunity to to play in the Champions League with Rangers this summer. I would, you know, and you know, obviously that's the gamble in terms of you know what do you do this next summer. But you know, I, I would be surprised if, if if he walked away, and I would be surprised if he didn't sign a, if he didn't sign a new deal. Yeah, I don't think that these players um, should necessarily go or, or, or want these players to leave. I mean, they're, they're terrific players for Scottish football too, the best players in our game. So you wouldn't want to see them depart. But at the same time, I think Rangers are a business and there's a, there's a really tough business decision that's going to have to be made. I suspect Scott's right. I suspect actually that Rangers will look to sell in other areas. And I think he's right about the, the leadership aspect of it as well. It would just be a, an enormous um, gap. For, for for Stephen Gerrard to fill in, in the in the dressing room by all accounts. So so no, I don't I don't I don't think necessarily they should let them go. I just think that there's a there's going to have to be some manoeuvring done on that front to either get them to sign new deals or or or, or move them. I mean it's it's simple. They've only got a year left, so there is something good that's going think, to have to I think, happen. I think they want they want answers fairly quickly as, as soon as the season. As soon as this this title is is you know sorted either way, they want answers. Pretty uh, pretty quickly. Um, if it looks like they're not going to sign or what they're asking for is too much for the club, then that's a decision they'll have to make. But I think they'll be looking for something, uh, yes or no, fairly quickly. I think Tavernier's found a home here. I think he's the captain of the club. As you say, he's given so much. He's been through so much heartache um, with Rangers in terms of you know big defeats and you know, no winning, no winning trophies. He's taken a lot of stick at times as well. I think to finally get to the, you know, the kind of top of the mountain, if you like, and then say, oh, that's that, I'm going to, I'm going to head for pastures now. It just doesn't. I just don't think he would think that way. Um, I think he appreciates what he's got at Rangers. I think he enjoys the responsibility of being captain, and given that kind of journey that he's been on, I think, you know, if they can get to the top and become champions, I think he'll want a crack at the Champions League. I think he'll want to go and rack up. Rack up trophies so that he can be, uh, you know, held in the same regard as, as previous. You know, the great Rangers captains that did go and go and win trophies. Um, but it's, it's funny, Scott, in that that regard, that Tavernier will be considered that way. I mean, if he if they win this season, almost well, all be. these players are going to be going down in the history of the yeah. club. Is I hesitate you to use the word legends. I think Tavernier would be a club legend. Captain I think of would, the, the team. Yeah, that I think it would be. It's only one trophy, obviously, but. It's the team that, that stopped 10. And also just from, I think, from where Tavernier's been in terms of, uh, you know, when he joined the club, what he's been through, as I say, the stick that he's taken, the defeats that he's had to put up with. I mean, he could have easily, uh, he could have easily went elsewhere at times when it, when it got too much for him. I, I think fans now look at him and think, God, if this guy, if this guy survives all of this, He's pretty much he really is the kind of lone survivor, obviously, for the you know, the kind of Mark Warburton uh, years, if you like. Then I think punters will look at it and think if he survives all of this, if he go and lift that uh, league title as captain, stopping ten in a row, then you no, know, it's only one trophy, but what a trophy it will be! And I think he will get down uh, as a as a legend. But as I say, I think he'll want to go on and then go and win more. I think once you get a taste. We spoke about it a lot in here. I think once you get that first trophy, that's why obviously the League Cup defeat would have been so frustrating. I think once you, when you get that first trophy, 
that kind of psychological boost it gives you getting over that hurdle, I think it then can lead to, to more. Once you've had a taste of it, you want more. And that's why I think Tavernier and Goldson will be around for the next few years at Rangers. If they get this league title wrapped up, I would expect Rangers almost immediately to begin negotiations with the two of them. And at, at those ages, I mean, listen, we're taught, it's not as if, if they were like 30, early 30s, it would be a bit more of a worry. I think you look at both of them in terms of their physique and their fitness. At 28, 29, I would expect both of them to sign, I don't know, new three-year three, three year contracts um, at Rangers, take them up to you know, 31, 32. And I, I think that would be the, the perfect solution for everybody. Yeah, there's no doubt, Andy, that, the, that these two, they don't really like slowing up at any time, do they? No, they've got they've get better um, season by season, especially Colin Goldson. I mean, you know, if you think back to his first season, you know, there was plenty of punters that uh, weren't utterly convinced with him. Thought, you know, especially when Katic was sort of coming out of the team, and it was it was Goldson and Warrell. There was plenty of fans questioning whether that was the right combination. I don't think you'll find a single Rangers fan now that, that won't believe that Colin Goldson's the number one centre back at the club, and that James Tavernier deserves to be to be captain. Um, I mean, it is funny to think back less than a year ago when when Tavernier was, you know, he was coming under fire, severe fire, you know, um, his performance, his confidence had, had dipped. Um, his question, his, his position as captain was being questioned, but, you know, the way he's led by example, I think that's the, the, the key. It's not He's not your traditional Rangers baller and shouting, you know, uh, skipper. He, he's a guy who will lead by his performances and he's done that this season whilst confidence is high he's somebody that you can hang your hat on and he's proven that this season it's all about keeping his confidence high and if Rangers do that then I think they should be okay for the remainder of the season Guys, before we go, there's a couple of names. Um, we're running short of time, but there's a couple of names that I would like to just throw in there that have been discussed uh, in detail in the in the press over the last few days. The first one is Sariki Dembele at uh, Peterborough United, Scott. Um, now, Barry Fry has come out and said Rangers have been watching the player. I understand he can play across the front three, very versatile. And, of yeah. course, is the brother of Karamoko Dembele. What do you make of that link? Interesting, Johnny. Um, he's actually eligible for for Scotland um, as well. And I've asked, I'm sure I've asked the question a couple of times of national managers if they've if they've looked at him uh, just because of the forum that he's been in at Peterborough in the last the last few years. As you say, um, very quick, very nimble, can play either side. Uh, he's got a goal in him. Um, quite exciting player, I think. People down there believe he can definitely go and play play at a higher level. Um, I I did a piece with him, uh, seems like a couple of years ago now, I'm not sure how long ago it was, but um, no, really ambitious boy, wants to go to the, wants to go to the highest level. Uh, nice kid as well. Um, no, it was a good, it was a really good interview, but more telling, I actually went down to Peterborough later. Uh, I think I was going down to see uh, Jason Cummings and Jason Naismith and we get talking to uh, Barry Fry and you no, know, they rave about Dembele down there you no, know, and they had real, they had real high hopes for him that, that was a couple of years ago and he's obviously went on he's continued to do well and listen it's the kind of level I know people say League One but he's young it's the kind of market that Rangers should be looking at he's obviously he's handed in a transfer request so he's going to He's clearly going to be going to be available uh, at some point very soon. So, 
Listen, if Rangers have done, I, I've not seen enough of him to say, no, he'll be a great player for Rangers or he would crack it up here or whatever, but it's certainly an interesting one and I'm no surprised, given his kind of situation down there and given his profile, I'm no surprised that Rangers have scouted him and, and they're looking at him. The other name that keeps on cropping up is Sheffield United's John Lundstrom, an established Premier League player who was, I think, integral to their performances last season. Less said about their current term, the better, I think. Um, but he's out of contract at the end of the year, I think 27 years old uh, and a powerful midfield player. Andy, is he the kind of guy that could come in and really take Rangers to the next level? Uh, I must say, I don't know too much about him. I don't, I don't see too much of Sheffield United uh, recently. I, I just had a look, quick look at his stats. I, mean, I think he's only played five games this season. I think that would raise question marks whether, you know, what sort of level he's at if he, if he can't get a team performing as badly as I think, United I, th- I, think, I think, to be fair, the reason he's not played is the contractual situation. See, because he's no, see. see, because he's refused to sign a, a new contract. I think that's why he's been left out a lot of, a lot of weeks. I mean, I mean, just looking at what he did last season, though, I think it was 34 appearances he made in a team yeah. that you know did so well last year. So you know, he's 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 obviously got something about him that he can perform so well. I mean, whether or not he's get Rangers will face competition for elsewhere remains to be seen. But you know, listen, I think that's the sort of level Rangers should be aiming at, guys who have you know you know see what you like about a club of Sheffield United side. The Premier League is now the NBA of uh, football, isn't it? In that sense, you know, all the big names go there. So. Um, if if you can hold your own in that sort of environment, then you're undoubtedly going to come in and, and you know add something to to our Angels team. I mean, I, Scott, you'll probably know more about him than me. I mean, what sort of what sort of mould does he fit in? Is a sort of Ryan Jack sort of type or? No, no. I mean, Johnny Johnny said that he means the word powerful. I mean, that mm-hmm. that's what Lundstrom is. Uh, box to box, right sided. You no, know, could play wide, but probably better in one of those kind of, those kind of number eight roles. Um, but, I mean, listen, from watching him, he looks ideally suited to, to Scottish football, though, because he's physical, he gets up and down the pitch, uh, he's got a goal on him, likes to arrive late in the late in the box. But, Physically, he's a little bit like Lee McCulloch, I'd say. You know, yeah, he's a real, he a really solid guy. Yeah, no, he is a bit. He'll obviously be a guy that Gerard will know. I mean, I think he came through the, the ranks at Everton. Um, so, I mean, just for yeah. that Merseyside link, Gerard will know him. So, I mean, it's probably not a gamble in that sense that um, I, think he, I think he also played at the Under-20 World Cup a few years ago with John Flanagan. So, I mean, he's, he'll have that sort of sort of Liverpool link that, that Gerard will, will know exactly what he's getting with him. So, I mean, in terms of if you're looking for no-risk signings, that, that maybe will be part of his thinking if, if it does come come through. And finally, we uh, just touch on the, the signing that I think people have been talking about for a number of weeks now is uh, Juan Allegria, the, the, the Colombian striker who is in Finland. Uh, there's a lot of chat today about him posting a, an Instagram uh, picture of himself in the uh, Amsterdam airport, and that's obviously resulted in a lot of uh, conjecture and speculation today. Scott, do you see that as being a, a longer-term signing, one, one of these ones that's planning for the future? Yeah, I do. I think Stephen Gerrard said that himself, didn't he? As much as he's watched the player, um, I think he's saying his exact words where you know, the academy had kind of more eyes on the player than, than he did. I think they've watched him for a while. He's obviously one that the scouting team have come up with. Uh, and obviously, you know, goes without saying, it mirrors the it mirrors the Morelos sign and they've had success there before. Picking up a guy relatively cheap 
uh, developing them here, and and now he's worth a lot more. So they're maybe looking to, no, you can't blame them for trying to go down that road again. Um, obviously, I've not seen, uh, I've not seen too much of the of the player, but I mean, I have spoken to people in Finland, you no know, guys that you're on your hands, and who had a big, the big uh, say in Morelos come to Rangers, uh, people. At, uh, Allegri's club as well, who obviously rate him, rate him highly. So I think that one probably will happen. I'm not sure when, but that'll prob- that will probably happen. But I'd expect it, as you say, to be more of a uh, kind of signing for the future. I wouldn't expect him to make it straight into the straight into the first team squads, for example. Okay, guys, we're going to draw a line under this podcast for today. Um, if you want to continue the debate, you know where you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Johnny R. McFarlane. Scott is at Scott McDermott A. And Andy is at Andy Newport PA. If you like the podcast, and we know thousands of you do, please go on to iTunes and give us a five-star review as this helps us get the pod to as many listeners as possible. Until next time, thanks for listening.